Good evening. Good to see everybody. A uh, couple of announcements before we get started here. Uh, remember, this weekend is our uh, family movie night out at Ben and Ashley's place. Uh, it looks like the weather is going to stay away, so that'll be a blessing. So uh, it should be a go. And uh, so please be there if you can. Bring lawn chairs, bring blankets, uh, whatever makes you comfortable. Uh, they'll have food there, water slides for the kids, and uh, bounce houses and stuff. Or well, We need to bring the bounce house from the church, if we remember that. Yeah, I got that little one for the little kids upstairs, so we, we need to get that out there. But uh, then we'll start the movie at dusk, and uh, so we're not out there too late. So, uh, but if you want to, if you can be a blessing and help bring a side, get with Ashley uh, tonight, or you can just give her a call or a text, and uh, let her know how you can be a blessing if you can bring a side dish. That'll be a blessing there. So, any questions about movie night? What time does it start? At seven. Six o'clock. Okay, starts at six. Okay. It should be should be dark around eight thirty. Well, that's when the movie starts. Yeah, movie will start at dusk. Yeah, not not the partying. So we'll start partying earlier. And uh, so, anyway, so uh, come. Good opportunity to bring a friend or a neighbor if you'd like. Uh, tonight we got some exciting news. I uh, got a call from Lloyd. Uh, evidently, he couldn't make it, but he had the opportunity. And she's supposed to be joining us online. I don't know if you can tell, Mark, if she's clicked in yet. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I'm sure I'm not. Uh, I think it's, uh, oh, she sent it to me and uh, and told me how to pronounce it. So uh, let me see here. Uh, she spells it A-L-I-Z-E, but it's Alizea. I hope. Uh, pronounced it right if I'm not please forgive me but uh, Lloyd had the opportunity to talk to her today got to share the gospel with her uh, she had never heard it never accepted or you know invited Jesus into her heart but she prayed invited Jesus this afternoon and she was ecstatic she reached out to Lloyd even later sending him a text how grateful she was so we reached out to her to invite her to join us on Wednesday and Sunday so hopefully she is I was a guest viewing, so maybe you're, I hope you're there, uh, uh, getting your name right, Alizea. So if not, you can give me a call and correct me, but we are so excited for you. We're rejoicing with you, your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life and your eternal security assured uh, by Jesus Christ and the cross. So we just rejoice over you and Lloyd giving you a call. So we look forward to uh, being able to get to know you and whether it be online so uh, we're so excited for you and uh, I think that's it as far as the announcements those two things so let's pray we'll get into this I think you'll find this very interesting tonight uh, it was kind of a revelation for me uh, very exciting to to study it today and and uh, we'll get into this and we'll look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1 still we're going to look at verses 4 through 8 so uh, let's pray real quick and we'll get started father we thank you for tonight we thank you for the salvation that took place today for using uh, brother lloyd to share the gospel and lord we're so grateful for our sister in christ and just pray holy spirit that you will just begin a work in her as you have promised for her and guide her director that we can be a part in any way we can though we're remote 
that this church family will continue to pray for her and encourage her. And uh, so, Lord, we just uh, thank you for this time. I ask that you uh, prepare our hearts tonight for your truth. Help us to grow in your grace. I ask that you anoint every word that is spoken in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's uh, read. We're going to read our verses here first. This is going to come out of Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8 and pick up, obviously, from verse 3 last week that we delved into. But read with me if you would. It says, uh, Be made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. It says, For unto which the angels said, uh, said he at the time, That art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth him uh, the, the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels, uh, and of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels uh, spirits, and his ministering uh, a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter unto thy righteousness, and of thy kingdom now if you'll go back and notice here in, in verse 4 which will get a, a lot of our attention tonight notice it says being what does that does that bring a thought to your mind who are we talking about here we talked about the last couple of weeks verses 1 through 3 we know it's a father talking explicitly about who about Jesus so he still is in verse 4 here but now he's saying he is what made is Jesus not God then how's God made okay good 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 statement hold on to that thought so here's a question if Jesus has eternally existed has he not if Jesus has eternally existed as part of the triune Godhead, and he has, how did he become or be made greater, more superior than the angels, according to verse 4? And this is a great question. Because this is God telling us that he, Jesus, was made greater, became and yet Jesus has been God in spirit, eternally past, like the Father and the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we don't just scratch our heads when we come to scriptures like this. And say, huh, well that's, that kind of reads weird. That's a little different. I wonder why God would be made and how. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand. I'm just going to keep on reading it's dangerous i say dangerous we're we're selling ourselves way too short and, and it's just like we leave don't want to leave such a truth out there just dangling but what's amazing amazing is that we don't have to leave this text because we're shown right here right before us in the immediate context in order we can see in the in the mind and the writer of jesus that he's always been superior to the angels go back and read verse three from last week who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of God on high. So we know Christ is eternal. We know Christ is God. He sits on the triune Godhead. He sits on the mercy seat before him. So there's two massive, two doctrinally sound realities that can be explained here, and we need to make sure we grasp in these two verses when it comes to the Son of God and how he can be made or become superior. One deals with his incarnation, meaning his personage, his embodiment of God in flesh. And two, the triumph of the God-man, i.e. God in Jesus becoming man, over sin, death, over Satan, by way of his death and his resurrection. So let's look at these two real quick. Let's look at the aspect of his, of his incarnation and his triumph as God-man. So the first reality of his incarnation explains how he, Jesus, became superior to the angels. Is that the incarnate Son of God is a new reality. How would it be a new reality? Pardon me? First man that did not sin definitely separates him as a God-man. What else makes this a new reality? He died on the cross, paid for our sins. Charlotte, what did you say a while ago? Born man. And his... There you go, right there. Jesus had never been man before, had he? Never in Scripture. It wasn't until the New Testament. It wasn't until now that Jesus became flesh. So while he was always God in eternity past, now he's God-man. This is a new creation, a new being. He's divine in nature. He still has every godly attribute. But now he also has every moral challenge or weakness we would have. The man aspect. And yet he never lost his power and his divinity. Because he never sinned in the flesh. But yet he is still new. Keep in mind, stay with me here. So it explains how Jesus became superior. The God-man, Jesus Christ, did not exist before the incarnation in the sense of man, only in spirit. The Bible says we worship them in truth and in what? Spirit. That included Jesus. The Father, the Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit are in spirit form. The Father and the Holy Spirit remain spirit form, did they not? It wasn't until Christ stepped out of eternity past that he became the incarnate God-man, Jesus in the flesh. So, and thus he became superior to the angels at that point, which he did by his divine nature. This is personified again by his work on the cross, by his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what allowed God, which we want to see, not get too far myself, allowed God to anoint him with certain things we're going to look at here in a second. Now, this leads to this second great reality. 
meaning the triumph of the God-man. And it's probably the one that garners the most attention in scriptures when it comes to Christ and the cross, his, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection. The second reality is his triumph. Jesus did what no other angel could do. Were there not, is there not a myriad of angels? Yeah, endless, beyond what we can account. We all have our own personal guardian angel, the scriptures tell us. But yet of all the free will, you know, first free will creatures that God created, were any of those angels able to pay for our sins? Or did they pay for our sins? No. Only one other creation was able to do that. And it was God in flesh, the incarnate of God that was triumph, triumphal by way of the cross. Doing so, he disarmed the fallen angelic principalities of darkness, defeated death, and removing the sting of death, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. Then we know he rose from the dead, and as verse 3 says, he sits on the right hand of God in the assigned or created mercy seat by which he provided for us, God's mercy. God can do, or, or let me say this, and with that became this new authority. This is what unleashed the new authority that Christ garnered while here on earth, i.e. his power, his superiority, his divine nature of God and man. And he did what only God can do because of what he, God, did. And he did it by way of the cross. And the cross only. So back to the very question that we posed in that deals with verses 4 through 8. It deals with the fact that Jesus, though eternally existed in time past, now existed in a new state that had never been before. It never will be again. For one moment in time, for a 33-year span, we're told through scriptures, there was a new entity by way of the Godhead that dwelt in and through Jesus Christ only. And so we find our situation that Jesus now, when you say, when Jesus, think of it this way, how many times you read in the scriptures you hear Jesus say, my father? Would that have been applicable prior to this, before his incarnate? No, because he was God. Every bit as much God as God was in the Holy Spirit. Now, as he becomes the God-man, now his verbiage to the disciples and to the Pharisees and through we see in scriptures, he's using the words, my father. That's not in his divine nature, that's in his human nature. And that's why the scriptures express that. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18. Should be have it here on the screen. Because it keeps on going throughout the scriptures. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All what? All power. Is it working? Oh, where's our screen at, Mark? Ah, there we go. All right. Thank you. All power is what? Given. There it is again. Unto me, which that is Jesus, in heaven and in earth. So right there, Matthew 28 shows that Jesus talking to the disciples that by way of God, by the anointing of God on his ministry as the God-man, by his divine nature, both 
is God and is man combined that though he had the power of God on earth was not his power limited in the sense of its fullness in the sense that it was had to be anointed by God it was God that gave him the power it was the Holy Spirit that worked through him that gave him the power because even though he's God he was man and by way of man his power was limited by the aspect of being man power authority was given to me it says well if he is God and again he is why is power and authority being given to him you would think the God part the divine nature of him he would still just possess that power but yet it was given him he had the power from eternity past he had the authority of from eternity past but by virtue it was by virtue of his death and resurrection however it says authority was given to Jesus what he didn't have before was this his eternal authority as God man to exercise eternal omnipotence in the service that came by way of service as a blood-bought people that he performed that it was when Christ shed his blood on the cross when he gave his life when he was buried when he was resurrected it was through that act alone that was gave and would anoint God with with Jesus with the power to save us because man can't save man it wasn't Jesus in man that saved us it was a power of God and the Holy Spirit through Jesus that saved us he was the incarnate vessel that brought forth grace grace that was given by God did not come through God or the Holy Spirit it came by way and through Christ and Christ alone Christ became that vessel he became that Avenue he became that that portion that brought forth the grace that God offered us and again it was through his blood sacrifice that did that you go and look at John 17 verses 1 through 2 oh, excuse me here it says these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said what father the hours come do what to glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast what given him what power over all flesh that he he shall give eternal life to as many as thou as thou hast given unto him so when we think of that we see here that back to verse 4 be made greater than the angels okay in his position as God man is the human aspect that Jesus and only Jesus had the ability to die for his sins by the God principle that empowered him gave him all power to do so it was that that God elevated him and we're gonna see a closing reason why gave him authority over the angels and over everything the authority his always had his omnipotence is now used on the basis of his blood and his righteousness to give eternal life Jesus or God prior to eternity could not give eternal life think of that could 
Jesus give eternal life in just his eternal form? No. Why not? What provide? What was needed? Okay, his blood. But what was what was needed for the ransom of our sins? There's a key verse. What does Romans six twenty three say? For the wages of sin, death. We know sin kills, correct? So, if Jesus just stayed in his divine nature, could he have not just said, hey, I'm going to save my people? No, because death kills, there had to be a sacrifice for sin. Can man die for man? Can man die for another man's sin? No, there had to be one without sin, i.e., the incarnate God in flesh, Jesus Christ, that came, that when he came, he, unto him was given all power and all authority over death and over hell and over Satan and over the sting of death. Jesus was the source. He was the vessel. He was the one that sometime in eternity past, upon creation, knowing that man was sin, that Jesus willfully volunteered to be that vessel, to be that incarnate of the Godhead, knowing that there had to be an eternal sacrifice for our eternal sin. As it's always said, you cannot pay for the eternality of sin with a temporal act. So Christ was willing to give up eternal equalities of his nature. What is that? Just the spirit of God, just Jesus in, in, in spirit. He confined himself to a created body. He lived on this earth for 33 years. All power was given to him by the Father that anointed him the ability to pay for our sins by his death, burial, and resurrection. And now, because of that, all authority is given to him. Authority over who? Who's this authority given over? It's not just the angels, but who's it also over? Us. Us, the second created free will creatures that by our own free will sinned against the creation of God and now needed an eternal sacrifice, Christ being the incarnate of doing so, when he died for our sins and rose again, all power was given to him to not only to do so, but to remain all power and all authority over his own creation. Prior to eternity, he could not give eternal life without his blood sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, i.e. the new authority and power. As the divine God-man, Jesus is now in no need or is in need of the anointing of the Father for authority and power. As God-man, he could not assign his own authority. There it is right there. When Jesus stepped out of heaven, equally God with the Father and the Holy Spirit, all this comes down to this one statement. Even though he was still God in flesh, he was also now man. Could he assign his own authority? No. Only the Father and the Holy Spirit could do so. Again, that's why Jesus has in his conversations, my Father. And that's why he humbled himself with the Father. I came to do the will of my Father. 
And once Jesus became flesh, once, even though he was incarnate, even though he was still God in flesh, he could not assign his own authority. Because he was as much man as we were men. He just happened to be God also. So when he came to this earth, to this temporal setting, he came for one reason only. He told us he came to what? Seeking to save those who were lost. He came for one reason, one reason only. Not to be a king, not to be worshipped, not to set up churches. He came to fulfill what the Godhead had ordained. It's just the Godhead needed a vessel in which to do that through, and Christ became that vessel. But once he became that vessel, he gave up his full authority as God. And now he was confined just like his creation. And thus he was dependent, just like we are, he was dependent upon the Father for his power. And then once he died, was buried and rose again, all authority was given to him over all of creation. Why do you think the Father and the Holy Spirit acknowledge what Christ did? The Scripture says that they have a name, and name is given to Christ that only the Father and the Spirit know. We'll never know what that name is or what it means to us. But to the three of them, it means something. Because the Father and the Holy Spirit acknowledge what Christ did. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, when he took on the human nature, when he... When he, when he died, buried, rose again, after he comes back in the thousand-year millennial reign, it tells us in verse 33, I believe it is, he says when the rebuilt kingdom is, is, you know, heaven and earth, it says Christ will turn the kingdom over to the Father. And Brother Brad's illustrated it for years. I've illustrated it myself. And that Greek word there, he will rank himself under the Father and the Holy Spirit. Christ will forever, far as we know in scriptures, we know he did, and it never says he goes back, you know, in spirit form, but it does say he will rank himself, or he will submit the kingdom and submit himself below the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's the depth of the sacrifice. And for eternity future, Jesus will be confined in the same resurrected body, just like the transfiguration with the disciples. He will be confined to a heavenly body for eternity future. Because that was his eternal sacrifice. And so when God gives him not only the power by which, you know, to save us, but he also then thus gave him all authority over what he died for. That's why he's greater than the angels. Not just because he's God. It goes on. Look at Acts 2.36. Look what Peter says. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath what? Yeah. God had made that same Jesus whom, he have, whom we have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What? I should be over. I don't have my pen tonight. Overall. Over all of creation. That is given to the God-man, to Jesus the Christ, over what he willfully died for and shed his blood for. 
Jesus always has been Lord of the universe, always will be Lord of the universe. But the crucified and risen Christ is now a new office of the Lord as the Messiah. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit have never been the Messiah until the work of the cross. The Messiah that was promised all through Old Testament now was fulfilled when Christ became the God-man. When his divine nature, the incarnate, became God in flesh and died for our sins. And it brought back the fullness, the promise, the prophecy of the Messiah. So you see now, I think it's in Romans 8.17. I think so I shared it with Mark. Romans 8.17, when you see now that we're promised that we will be co-heirs with Christ. See why that carries much more weight? What Christ had endured, what Christ embodies, all that Christ is, that now we are co-heirs. Not only just with God, but with God as man, is the incarnate Savior, the Messiah, that we are now get to dwell with him in the heavenly body for eternity. We'll close with this. I'm going to have some questions. Uh, Romans 1, 3 through 4. It says, concerning the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made. Uh, not working. Was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by what? The resurrection from the dead. That's what fulfilled it. It wasn't so much just when he became the God-man, when he became the incarnate Savior, but it was when he shed his blood, was buried, and he rose again. That is the fulfillment of scriptures. That is the completion of all in who Christ promised to be. From Genesis 3.15, the first time it mentions the coming Messiah, that there be a seed that comes forth then all the way through his ministry on earth but it was when Christ was crucified buried and rose again that that by the resurrection brought about all authority at that moment right then all authority was turned over to Jesus and God says that he will make all of creation a footstool to him So when you think, why is he greater than the angels? Because God made him greater than the angels. And all authority was given to him. And it was fulfilled and brought about by what? Him doing the will of the Father. So, we know it's scripture in one time, we are told that we will be greater than the angels as well so we have to ask are we doing likewise the will of the father and understanding the gift that is given to us not only the gift of our eternal life through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice 
but also the gift that we get to be co-heirs. Co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Not to be His servant, but to be co-heirs with Him for eternity future. And Christ gave up that equality with the Father and the Holy Spirit and is willing to rank Himself under, as far as we know for eternity, to rank Himself other, under because of His great love for us. You know, we... we <laughs> Now, to chase rabbits here, I had this conversation today. You know, we, we talk about you know, how much we just want to hear about the love of Jesus. I want to hear how Jesus loves, loves me. Jesus loves, you know, Jesus is all about love. He is about love. But why do we need to hear so much about his love when he displayed his love by these acts? He died for us. I mean, that should be enough right there. He died for us. Who? He empowers us with his authority. He empowers us to be co-heirs with him to the eternal kingdom. And three, by that same power and authority, he's going to make us even greater than his first creation, the angels. And yet, we're stuck on, we want to know how much God loves us. What much more does he need? How much more do we have to be told that he loves us than what he's already displayed through the cross? Hence, that's why the Father made him greater, obviously, than the angels. Not in the God sense, he was already greater than he created the angels. But now when he became man incarnate, he was bound to the laws of man. And every power that he had was anointed and ordained by the Father and flowed through the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that rose him from the dead was the same Holy Spirit that empowered him to do miracles on earth. But that did not come from him alone. It was given to him. Jesus, as God-man on earth, was 100% dependent on the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's how much faith he had. When he told the disciples in the storm, on, was it Matthew chapter 8, I think, the storm brewing, he says, Oh, ye of little faith. Remember, he was asleep in the boat. Oh, Jesus, we're going to die. Oh, ye of little faith. He said that with the authority that, hey, I'm living by faith myself. They came and sought the faith and the power of the one that got it from the same source that we get ours from today. Does that make sense what I'm saying? He wasn't just calming that storm because he's Jesus. No, he's incarnate. He's in, in the embodiment of the Godhead. And they were crying out, for the one that needed the same faith that they should have had. Because it was given to him by the Father and the Holy Spirit. You see how much Jesus took on the role of man? He was dependent upon the same power we should be dependent on today. Did the scriptures not say, 
greater miracles can you not do? Or can you do? Jesus told you, you can do greater miracles than I did through the power of the gospel. You just need to rely upon the same power and have the same faith I had. What are your thoughts, questions? I know you got something, Charlotte. I can see you back there. That, that's the word. He kept to the Father's business. He never wavered from what the Father and the Holy Spirit asked of him. I came to do the will of my Father. And because he stayed in the business of the Father, then all power was given to him for everything he needed to do the will of the Father. So if Jesus was dependent upon the Father and Holy Spirit, and he was, and he did depend upon that, and all power was given to him, as the Scriptures show, by way of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And thus he fulfilled it, and then all authority was given to him, and the Father and the Holy Spirit made him greater than the angels in that sense. Then let's just take it one step down to us. Then why don't we stay to the Lord's will, the Lord's business? And if we stay focused in doing the Lord's business, then could we not freely ask for the power and the faith to do it? And all power would be given to us and authority over sin? Yeah, it'd be the same thing. And then in doing so, Jesus, by way of his authority now, by his resurrection, will make us co-heirs and make us greater than the angels ourselves. Yeah. Well, I like your word business. Do we keep Jesus kept to the Father's business. Do we keep to the Lord's business? It's really just a stair-step run. And we can have the same power, the same power that, wrote, that raised Jesus from the grave is exact, the exact same power. No more, no less. The exact same power dwells within us.
Hence why God says if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to be cast into the sea. Yeah, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, I think I was telling one of my sisters, I think it was Vicky today, that it won't repeat it because, it, it, you know, the pastor and the church is irrelevant. It's what he was saying that's relevant. And, and some part of his sermon, I got to be careful because I didn't see the entire context of his sermon. But, you know, in the clip that I saw, he used the word never, I think, 12 or 13 times in a row, emphasizing. He will never, 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 you know, 13 times, stop loving you. Jesus will always love you no matter what. Then he started emphasizing you. Jesus loves you. you. Okay, and that's true. There's nothing unscriptural about that whatsoever. But unless I'm missing something in the context, that whole form of teaching and preaching is directed, who's the source? Us. Jesus loves you. Oh, he lo it doesn't matter what you do. You can sin, you can do whatever you want. Jesus will love you. You can't do anything for Jesus not to love you. That's true. Jesus loves every soul in hell. But where's the responsibility of our love to him? Remember, it's not how much he loves us, it's how much we love him. By way of what? Him stepping out of eternity past, giving up eternal equality with the Father and Holy Spirit, dying a cruel death, buried, rose again, making us co-heirs with him, giving us authority ourselves over the angels. I just think we've got to be cautious only emphasizing how much God loves us and at some point, we have to come to accountability. Where's that reciprocal love to the one that's really do love? It's not about us. We can't just get lost and stuck in Jesus' love for us. There has to be a reciprocation based on the authority and the power that is given to Jesus and who he is and what he did to be granted that. Where's our love for him? And do we embody that love? Do we show that love? Is that love ever present? And does it appear in our lives, in our daily walk? Is that self-evident through the fruits of the Spirit? In our love for one another, in our patience, in our long-suffering, these things that we're supposed to embody. So it was so evident to the Father and the Holy Spirit that all power and authority was given to Christ because he kept to the Father's business. And likewise, Jesus can grant us the same power and authority in due time. It's our job to stay to Jesus' business while we're here. Any other thoughts? Nobody? All righty. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for these passages here that 
Maybe it was just me, but it opens up a whole different perspective of uh, when we think of why power and authority was given to you on earth as incarnate and that your divine nature is God, but yet still man. That, Lord, while you were here, you were just as dependent upon the power and the promises and the, and the you know, you know, the Father and the Holy Spirit. Likewise, we should have that same accountability, that same dependence. And we do so by doing your business, just like you did the Father's business. Knowing that you, by way of that power and that authority, now have the ability to grant to us to not only be co-heirs with you in your eternal kingdom, but ourselves likewise to be greater than the angels. What a great illustration of your love for us. We just pray that we likewise, as you did, just learn to stay to your business, focused on your business, and, uh, and magnify your love through us. Thank you for your truth. I ask that you forgive us where we fail you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, you can give me a call or you can reach out at Todd at cfchurchtx.com and we'd love to get those answered for you. Any prayer requests, let us know. We want to be praying for you and be a blessing any way we can. So with that, we thank you for joining us. And